Introduction, Section 12 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 12, Opposition to the Mythical View of the Gospel History. In adopting the mythical point of view, as hitherto applied to biblical history, our theologians had again approximated to the ancient allegorical interpretation for as both the natural explanations of the rationalists and the jesting expositions of the deists belong to that form of opinion which whilst it sacrifices all divine meaning in the sacred record still upholds its historical character the mythical mode of interpretation agrees with the allegorical in relinquishing the historical reality of the sacred narratives in order to preserve to them an absolute inherent truth the mythical and the allegorical view as also the moral equally allow that the historian apparently relates that which is historical but they suppose him under the influence of a higher inspiration known or unknown to himself to have made use of this historical semblance merely as the shell of an idea of a religious conception the only essential distinction therefore between these two modes of explanation is that according to the allegorical this higher intelligence is the immediate divine agency according to the mythical it is the spirit of a people or a community according to the moral view it is generally the mind of the interpreter which suggests the interpretation thus the allegorical view attributes the narrative to a supernatural source whilst the mythical view ascribes it to that natural process by which legends are originated and developed to which it should be added that the allegorical interpreter as well as the moral may with the most unrestrained arbitrariness separate from the history every thought he deems to be worthy of god as constituting its inherent meaning whilst the mythical interpreter on the contrary in searching out the ideas which are embodied in the narrative is controlled by regard to conformity with the spirit and modes of thought of the people and of the age this new view of the sacred scriptures was opposed alike by the orthodox and by the rationalistic party from the first whilst the mythical interpretation was still restricted to the primitive history of the old testament hess on the orthodox side protested against it the three following conclusions may be given as comprising however incredible this may appear the substance of his book a work of some compass upon which however it is unnecessary to remark further than that hess was by no means the last orthodox theologian who pretended to combat the mythical view with such weapons he contends first that mythi are to be understood figuratively now the sacred historians intended their writings to be understood literally consequently they do not relate mythi secondly mythology is something heathenish the bible is a christian book consequently it contains no mythology the third conclusion is more complex and as will appear below has more meaning if says hess the marvellous were confined to those earliest biblical records of which the historical validity is less certain and did not appear in any subsequent writings the miraculous might be considered as a proof of the mythical character of the narrative but the marvellous is no less redundant in the latest and undeniably historical records than in the more ancient 
Consequently, it cannot be regarded as a criterion of the mythical. In short, the most hollow natural explanation, did it but retain the slightest vestige of the historical, however completely it annihilated every higher meaning, was preferable in the eyes of the orthodox to the mythical interpretation. Certainly nothing could be worse than Eichhorn's natural explanation of the fall. In considering the tree of knowledge as a poisonous plant, he at once destroyed the intrinsic value and inherent meaning of the history. Of this he afterwards became fully sensible, and in his subsequent mythical interpretation, he recognized in the narrative the incorporation of a worthy and elevated conception. Hess, however, declared himself more content with Eichhorn's original explanation, and defended it against his later mythical interpretation. So true is it that supernaturalism clings with childlike fondness to the empty husk of historical semblance, though void of divine significance, and estimates it higher than the most valuable kernel divested of its variegated covering. Somewhat later, De Vetta's bold and thorough application of the mythical view to the Mosaic writings, his decided renunciation of the so-called historical-mythical, or, more properly speaking, of the natural mode of interpretation, and his strict opposition to the notion of the possibility of arriving at any certainty respecting the residue of fact preserved in these writings, gave rise to much controversy. Some agreed with Stoidel in totally rejecting the mythical view in relation to the Bible, and in upholding the strictly historical, and indeed supernatural sense of the scriptures, whilst Meyer and others were willing to follow the guidance of De Vetta, at least as far as the principles of Vater, which permitted the attempt to extract some, if only probable, historical data from the mythical investment. If, says Meyer, the marvelousness and irrationality of many of the narratives contained in the Pentateuch, narratives which no one would have thought of inventing, together with the want of symmetry and connection in the narration and other considerations, permit us not to mistake the historical groundwork of the record, surely allowing the existence of an historical basis a modest and cautious attempt to seek out, or at any rate, to approximate towards a discovery of that historical foundation, is admissible. In the hope of preserving those who adopted the historical-mythical view from relapsing into the inconsistencies of the natural interpreters, Meyer laid down the following rules, which, however, serve rather to exhibit afresh the difficulty of escaping this danger. 1. To abstract everything which is at once recognizable as mythical representation, as opposed to historical fact, that is, the extraordinary, the miraculous, accounts of immediate divine operation, also the religious notions of the narrators in relation to final causes. 2 to proceed from that which is simple to that which is more complicated. Let a case be supposed where we have two accounts of the same event, one natural and one supernatural, as, for instance, the gathering of the elders by Moses, attributed, Numbers chapter 11, verse 16, to the suggestion of Jehovah, and Exodus chapter 18, verse 14, to the counsel of Jethro. According to this rule, all divine inspiration must be subtracted from the known decisions of Noah, Abraham, Moses, and others. 
precisely the preceding was met with the censure of de Vetta, quoted above three as far as possible to contemplate the fact which forms the basis of a narrative in its simple and common character apart from all collateral incidents this however is going too far where no basis of fact exists for example the story of the deluge may be reduced thus a great inundation in asia minor according to the legend destroyed many wicked here the supposed final cause is not abstracted noah the father of shem a devout man a teleological notion again saved himself by swimming the exact circumstances of this preservation the character of the vessel if such there were which saved him are left undetermined in order to avoid arbitrary explanations thus in reference to the birth of isaac meyer is satisfied with saying that the wish and hope of the wealthy and pious emir abraham to possess an heir by his wife sarah was fulfilled unusually late and in the eyes of others very unexpectedly here again de Vetta's censure is quite applicable in like manner eichhorn in his introduction to the new testament declared in yet stronger terms his opposition to the view advocated by de Vetta. if the orthodox were displeased at having their historical faith disturbed by the progressive inroads of the mythical mode of interpretation the rationalists were no less disconcerted to find the web of facts they had so ingeniously woven together torn asunder and all the art and labor expended on the natural explanation at once declared useless unwillingly does dr paulus admit to himself the presentiment that the reader of his commentary may possibly exclaim quote, wherefore all this labor to give an historical explanation to such legends how singular thus to handle mythi as history and to attempt to render marvellous fictions intelligible according to the rules of causality contrasted with the toilsomeness of his natural explanation the mythical interpretation appears to this theologian merely as the refuge of mental indolence which seeking the easiest method of treating the gospel history disposes of all that is marvellous and all that is difficult to comprehend under the vague term mythos and which in order to escape the labour of disengaging the natural from the supernatural fact from opinion carries back the whole narration into the camera obscura of ancient sacred legends still more decided was greiling's expression of disapprobation elicited by krug's commendation of the genetic that is to say mythical theory but each stroke levelled by him at the mythical interpretation may be turned with far greater force against his own natural explanation he is of opinion that among all the attempts to explain obscure passages in the new testament scarcely any can be more injurious to the genuine historical interpretation to the ascertaining of actual facts and their legitimate objects that is more prejudicial to the pretensions of the natural expounder than the endeavour to supply by the aid of an inventive imagination the deficiencies of the historical narrative the inventive imagination is that of the natural interpreter which suggests to him collateral incidents of which there is no trace in the text 
the imagination of the mythical interpreter is not inventive his part is merely the recognition and detection of the fictitious according to greiling the genetic or mythical mode of explaining miracles is a needless and arbitrary invention of the imagination let a groping spirit of inquiry be added and the natural explanation is accurately depicted many facts he continues which might be retained as such are thus consigned to the province of fable or replaced by fictions the production of the interpreter but it is the historical mythical mode of interpretation alone which substitutes such inventions and this only in so far as it is mixed up with the natural explanation greiling thinks that the explanation of a miracle ought not to change the fact and by means of interpretation as by sleight of hand substitute one thing for another which is done by the natural explanation only for this is not to explain that which shocks the reason but merely to deny the fact and leave the difficulty unsolved it is false to say we have a fact to explain what immediately lies before us is a statement respecting which we have to discover whether it embody a fact or not according to this learned critic the miracles wrought by jesus should be naturally or rather psychologically explained by which means all occasion to change clip and amplify by invention the recorded facts till at length they become metamorphosed into fiction is obviated with how much justice this censure may be applied to the natural mode of explanation has been sufficiently demonstrated Haydenreich has lately written a work expressly on the inadmissibility of the mythical interpretation of the historical portions of the new testament he reviews the external evidences concerning the origin of the gospels and finds the recognition of a mythical element in these writings quite incompatible with their substantiated derivation from the apostles and the disciples of the apostles he also examines the character of the gospel representations and decides in reference to their form that narratives at once so natural and simple so complete and exact could be expected only from eyewitnesses or those connected with them and with respect to their contents that those representations which are in their nature miraculous are so worthy of god that nothing short of an abhorrence of miracles could occasion a doubt as to their historical truth the divine operations are indeed generally mediate but according to haydenreich this by no means precludes the possibility of occasional intermediate exertions of the divine energy when requisite to the accomplishment of some particular object and referring to each of the divine attributes in succession he shows that such intervention in no wise contradicts any of them and that each individual miracle is a peculiarly appropriate exercise of divine power these and similar objections against the mythical interpretation of the gospel histories which occur in recent commentaries and in the numerous writings in opposition to my work on the life of jesus will find their place and refutation in the following pages end of section twelve